but uh, then again, congratulations on your 65th anniversary of the church. That is, that's big. It really is. I think that uh, year after next, I think we celebrate our 50th and looking forward to that. Um, but when churches are cro- closing their doors left and right today, and they are, it's, it's horrible the way things are going. It's good to know there's one still going forward. So I appreciate that very, very much. Just hang on. Keep on going. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. We're looking forward to that. And uh, until he does, we need to be busy uh, about his business. We're going to go to Matthew 18 tonight, the uh, Gospel of Matthew and uh, chapter number 18, <clears throat> if you will. I appreciate also that no one has blamed me for the weather. No one, no one has blamed me for the weather that came in. I did not bring it. Usually the guest preacher gets blamed for if there's bad weather comes in, it's like, do you bring this with you? I didn't know. I had nothing to do with it. So I appreciate you not being accusatory about that uh, at all. Thank you so very much for that. I didn't get to introduce my wife this morning. This is Miss Pam. She gets upset if I don't have her stand. So stand, Miss Pam, if you will. Everybody can see. My beautiful bride, my first wife of 41 years, very thankful for that, and thankful she has stuck by me all this time. Matthew chapter 18, if you're there, would you mind to stand with me again for the reading of the Word of God in honor of His Word, if you're well able, and if you're not well able, God understands all of that. Matthew 18, we're going to begin our reading in verse number 21 tonight. Matthew 18, verse number 21, familiar portion of Scripture. The Bible says, Then came Peter to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times. And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what, he, what was done, uh, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother, their trespasses. Uh, I want to preach to you tonight on this subject. 
Holding on to anger and bitterness will hinder your life. Very, very real, very real statement there. Let's, let's pray. We'll get started. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for you that you're such a good, gracious God. And we're thankful that you're loving and caring and understanding, that you're long-suffering and patient. And uh, Lord, you're merciful. Your mercies are new every day and you're full of grace. And we're thankful, Lord, because of that we can uh, be your disciples and you continue to work in our hearts and lives day in and day out, week in and week out, and month in, month out, year in, year out. And you're trying, Lord, to help us to be conformed to the image of your Son. And there's many things there that need to be dealt with. We understand. And Lord, as we look into your word tonight, we just pray you'd give us divine direction. We pray you'd illuminate your word. We pray you'd speak to our hearts very clearly. We pray your perfect will would be done in each and every life. Uh, we, we just need you to do what we can't, and we're trusting you for that. We pray for power, Lord, that unction that can only come from you. Clarity of thought and speech is very necessary. Now, Lord, uh, meet with us, help us, and then help us to respond as you speak to us uh, at the proper time. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing, and please do be seated. <clears throat> I believe that uh, anger and bitterness and unforgiveness are some of the worst sins in our churches today. I'm talking about across the board, uh, uh, across our land. I mean, while there might not be in an independent Baptist churches, there, there might not be a lot of uh, drinking and smoking and cussing and gambling going on. Okay, we're very hopeful that there's not a lot of drinking <laughs> and smoking <laughs> and cussing and gambling going on. Uh, there is no doubt that many sit in church pews week after week with anger and bitterness in their life that keep them from living the life that God wants them to live. They rationalize everything seemingly until it just seems logical. It seems logical to them that they should never forgive someone for the things that they did or the things that they said. I do believe that there are those who sit in churches that don't have true peace and joy in their life, uh, though, that they, though they say they do, they don't have true peace and joy in their life because someone has done them wrong. Along the way, and they, they refuse to let it go. They refuse to forgive, but that's very childish, isn't it? Right. And no, no, it's very, very immature. It, it's very unChrist-like. And the sad part about it, it is their life. The one that's holding on to it all is the one that's being affected, right. not the one that did them wrong along the way. Unfor unforgiveness has turned to anger, and anger has turned to hatred. Hatred's turned to bitterness, and bitterness is just eating them up. And what, the, what is sad, this can be something that happened years and years and years ago, and it's still robbing you of your joy that God wants you to have. In our story here, we have Peter coming to the Lord, and he asked him this question, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times. <clears throat> now, to me, it sounds like Peter's looking for a, um, he's looking for a way out. <laughs> Peter, the apostle Peter, I love Peter. He gives me hope. So it's like he's looking for a way out. And maybe he's referring to Jesus' teaching back in chapter 17, uh, Luke 17, verse number 4, 
where he said, and if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and uh, seven times in a day, uh, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So maybe, maybe Peter's saying, hey, Lord, um, look, if, if I forgive him seven times in a day, and then they do it one more time, uh, can I hate them then? Can I be mad at them then? Come on, we've got to get at the sense of all this. This is Peter. He is traveling with 11 other men and the Lord. They're traveling. They live together day in, day out. This is Peter. Come on. Okay. I, I would be willing to say that uh, those uh, 12 guys didn't always get along real good. I, come on. They, they had no place to stay. They weren't staying at the Holiday Inn each night. They stayed out. They camped out. Uh, the Lord provided them with everything that they needed. They left everything they had. I would have a feeling that in their flesh along the way, as they dealt with different things, and as uh, this guy got on their nerves, and this guy got on their nerves, and this guy did something, and that guy did something, I, I get the, the idea that it's like, Lord, I, I need to do something about this guy, but you're going to have to give me, you're going to have to give me some lee, leeway then. I, I mean, if I forgive him seven times today and then he does it again, can I? Come on, Peter. Okay, some of you don't get it all. But anyway, but Jesus said, Peter, no, no, Peter, Peter. No, no, wait a minute. Not, not just seven times in one day, but, um, 70 times 7, or 40, uh, 490 times a day you need to forgive. Amen. 490 times a day. Can you see the look on Peter's face? <laughs> Hopefully you use your imagination when you're done. I mean, I can just see him going. <clears throat> and some people might say, Wow, preacher. I mean, that's, that's pretty high standard. And I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. I mean, come on, preacher. God doesn't really expect us just to keep on forgiving over and over and over like that, does he? Um, yes. Yes, absolutely. He does. And, and that's why he gives us the reason for it right here in this parable. He, he gives us good reason about that. Um, let, let me just paraphrase that again. One, we won't read it again. Let me just paraphrase it. Uh, the Lord begins to tell this story, this parable to Peter. And he said, there's this, there's this king, and, and, and he had all these servants, and he began to take account of them. And so he called one of them in. This guy owed him 10,000 talents. Now, that's more money than most independent Baptists could ever, ever have. I mean, it's a, it's a whole wad of money, big amount of money. And uh, he said, you owe me 10,000 talents, and I want you to pay me right now. And the servant said, uh, look, I, I, don't, I, I don't have it. I don't have it. And the king said, no big deal whatsoever. I'll sell you and your wife and your children and everything you have. Whatever comes in, I'll take that. I'm going about my life. I'm not going to worry about it. But this fellow, this, this uh, servant, he fell down and said, Lord, if you'll just have patience with me, I'll pay you everything. I'll pay it all. And in the story, it, it says that the, the, the man had compassion. The king had compassion on him. And he forgave all the debt, everything. He just forgave all the debt. And then this guy that had just been forgiven of that debt, he went out and he saw one of his co-workers that owed him a hundred pence. Now, a lot of you men would have that in your billfold right now. It's not a whole lot of money, not a whole lot of money. And um, he wasn't very nice to him at all. In fact, it said he laid hands on him, took him by the throat. 
said, pay me what you owe me right now. And this fellow worker, this fellow servant fell down at his feet and said, if you'll just have patience, I will pay you everything that I owe you. Same way that he had done to the king. And the Bible says, and he would not. He wouldn't do that. Wouldn't forgive him the debt. And then it says he went and cast him into prison. And every time I read that, I'm thinking, what a brainiac. He said, no, it says he went and cast him into prison until he should pay the debt. So he's going to cast him in prison where he can't make no money until he pays the debt. Anyway. So people saw this happening. They went to the king. And they told the king everything that happened. So the king called him back on the carpet. And he said this to him. Oh, thou wicked servant. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? Oh, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt just, listen, just because you asked me to. Just because you wanted me to. I forgave you all that debt. And he said, shouldn't you have gone ahead and showed compassion on your co-worker like I showed compassion on you? And he said that his Lord was very wroth. That's very angry, very mad. And delivered him to the tormentors. Delivered him to the tormentors. Get this. Even as uh, 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 should, uh, come on brain. Till he should pay all that was due unto him. Delivered him to the tormentors. Now I want you to understand something. That's the end of the parable. That's the end of the parable. Right there. And then the Lord says this. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. If ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. I believe that's precisely where a lot of people that sit in our churches are. What are you talking about? Um, I believe they've been delivered to the tormentor. I don't know if I'm following you, Brother Marshall. Um, You know, when somebody has done you wrong, and I'm not discounting that because people do people wrong. When something has happened and uh, you tend to uh, hold on to that instead of forgiving somebody's done you wrong and it just seems like it eats you up i mean it sometimes seems like you're in torment no no it gets so bad that i mean you, it's all you can think about just getting even getting back at them wanting them to hurt like you've hurt it, it, it no no it can mess with you i mean you can't it, you just think about that it, you can't eat you can't sleep i mean uh, and it seems like it kind of it kind of goes away for just a little while and then somebody mentions something or, or you hear something or something brings back to memory and all of a sudden the torment starts all over again. Come on, it's a torment that nobody else knows about. And no, nobody else can understand what you're going through. But it's real. It's very real. It's something, and I believe, I believe it's something, and when something like that, I believe it's something that causes physical ailments. If somebody dwells on something like that too long, it can really eat them up and cause some bad, bad problems. And I believe that's where a lot of people are right now. They're sitting in our churches. I'm talking about born again, children of God. I believe that's right where they are. I believe they have been delivered to the tormentors. But the, the subject matter of this parable that the Lord gave to Peter was this. God has forgiven you for so much. 
You're born again, child of God. God has forgiven you for so much. Um, How is it that you feel like you do not need to forgive others? Why do you feel like you shouldn't forgive other people? Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 14 says, For if you, give, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive men not their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And hold on before you get too far ahead of me. Some might say, well, that's Old Testament preacher. That was before the Lord went to the cross and died for our sin and came back. And that's, that's Old Testament. Somebody might say that. Now God is just going to forgive our sin no matter what. We live in digress. Now God's just going to forgive our sin no matter what. So, no, no, no. So what do you do with this? What do you do with James chapter 4 and verse uh, number 17 where it says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it to not, doeth it not, to him it is sin. sin. We know to do good, but we don't do it. It's sin. It's sin. So if you're harboring unforgiveness and anger and bitterness in your heart, what would that be in the sight of God? Well, it would be sin. It would be sin. Um, and if you don't confess that sin, forsake the sin, do you just think, no, 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 do you think it just could, come on brain, do you think it could hinder your walk with God? Oh, absolutely so. Okay, so okay, so you don't smoke or cuss or chew or dip. None of those outward things, but sin is sin, right? And whatever sin we might have in our life hinders our, our, our fellowship with God. And so if you have those things in your life, no, no, no. If you have those things in your life, it will hinder your spiritual growth. It will hinder your spiritual walk. And if you decide that you're going to hold on to that, no matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody thinks, no matter what anybody does, what do you think that's going to do to you? Well, it's not going to be good. Not at all. James chapter 1 verse 15 says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished, bringeth forth death. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. When, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Wait, 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 Brother Marshall. Lust, why are you bringing lust into this? No, 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 stay with me here. Lust does not always have to have a sexual connotation to it. We're just talking about the lust of the flesh. Wanting to get even. Wanting them to suffer like you've suffered. Wanting retribution for what has been done or, or what has been said. And, and let me just ask you a question. Do you think that's the way that God wants us to be? Back in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 44, the Bible says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Isn't that something? Okay, let me stop right there for just a second. You know, I'm, 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 I'm for all-out Christianity, and I think we should be sold, excuse me, sold-out Christians. And, and, and I think that I think that it's important. I think it's important that that uh, that we look right, we act right, all those different things. I think it's important. I, I mean, I, I shined my shoes this morning. I I I wore a suit. Did, did all those things. But it's pretty easy, isn't it? Stay with me here. It's pretty easy, isn't it, to do all the outward stuff and look like you know, pretty good fella, pretty good gal. I mean, man, look there must be good Christians and still have a heart full of sin. Isn't that right? No, this is where Christianity meets the... It's, it's, it's where the rubber meets the road with Christianity. I guarantee you. Because... No, no, no. We've got this... Mm, we, we went through this phase in Christianity 
in the independent Baptist circles, I'm afraid, we went through this phase that it was all about the outward. It's about the outward. Now, I believe in the outward. I believe in the doctrine of sanctification, and I still preach and teach it a lot up home. Absolutely so. I believe we're supposed to be separated from this world. I believe we're supposed to be different. Absolutely so. But I'm telling you, the, the sins that hinder most Christians that sit in churches today aren't the outward sins. It's not the sins of the outward things. No, no, no. It's the sin of the inward that nobody can see and nobody knows what's going on. This ain't hurting anybody but me. I'm going to get to that point in just a minute. Don't you get ahead of me like that. This is very, very real and it's very, very hurtful. And it keeps us from having that relationship with God that God wants us to have. That fellowship with God that God truly does want us to have. Because He wants us to be close to Him. Absolutely wants us to be close to Him. But we have to be mindful that we have that we have uh, allowed God to deal with us in whatever area He chooses to deal with us. Back 12 years ago, 13, 14 years ago now, a couple of years before that... Um, I took the pastor there in St. Joe. God began to deal with me about a certain passage of Scripture. I mean, he just brought it to life. You know how he does that at times. And he just brought it to life. And I mean, just began to, I mean, I just was just consumed with it for a time and still have been as I've, I've pastored. And that's John chapter 13 and verse 34 and 35, where the Bible says, A new commandment I give unto you. Jesus said this, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Uh, and, 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 oh, preacher, we know we're supposed to love each other. Well, well, no, no. Well, no, no, we know. No, no, I know. I understand. But, but, no, no. He said that we are to love one another the way that he loves us. Amen. The way he loves us. Yes. And I don't know about you, but he has forgiven me over and over and over and over and over and over again. And continues to do so. Continues to do so. So, how are going to no no? How are people going to perceive us as Christians uh, if we don't love one another? Really love one another. I'm talking about forgive one another. And how are people going to perceive us if we harbor anger and bitterness and grudges against one another? How, how are people going to perceive us as Christians? Well, preacher, good grief. And you, you just, you, you, I don't know what you're thinking, but people understand, preacher. People understand when it gets like that. People understand. They know what's happened to me. I've let them know. And they know. They understand what's going on. No, no, no. Listen to me. No, no. You're right. That's exactly the way the world thinks. I said, that's exactly the way the world thinks. They think we ought to get even. They think we ought to do something like that. But we're not supposed to be like this world. We're to be Christ-like. We've been saved by the grace of God. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't even want to be found to be like this world, but to be more like Him. The one that saved our soul. The one that changed our life. The one that did the impossible for us. And someone might say, well, fine for you, but you don't know exactly what happened to me. You, you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. You don't know what I've been through. You don't understand everything that's going on. You don't know what they did to me. I don't know. I understand. I, know, I understand I don't know that. But I do know what they did to Christ. I've read it over and over again, what they did to Him. And I do know as He hung on that cross that day, He said this, Father, forgive them. 
Now, as much as I've studied my Bible, I can't find any place while he was hanging on the cross that somebody came by and said, hey, I was one of those that pulled out some of your beard. Will you forgive me? I was one of those that spit on you when you came by. Would you forgive me? I was one of those that cussed you and, and mocked you and ridiculed you. Would you forgive me? I was one of those that was sticking my tongue out at you. Would you forgive me for that? I don't see anywhere, anywhere that there was anybody that came up and asked him for forgiveness. And yet he said, Father, forgive them. He forgave without being asked to forgive. See, the help that God wants to give us, it's not going to come until we really forgive. Until we really forgive. And we can't do that on our own. It's going to take some help. But God has made a way, hasn't He? Come on, stay with me here. God has made a way. Uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That would include forgiveness, wouldn't it? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. So if we've been saved, really saved by the grace of God, we are in Christ, and He can help us to do whatever He would ask us to do. And one of the things He asks us to do is to forgive. If you are a born-again child of God, the love, get this, the love with which God loves you is in you. It's in you by the Holy Ghost of God. Romans 5, 5. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So, no, no. If you're saved, the love that God, the love with which God loves you, it's in you. Okay, come on. I know we don't act like it a lot, but that love is in us by the Holy Ghost of God. It is in there. It's in there. <clears throat> okay. Well, what's the answer? Stay with me here. Hebrews twelve fourteen says this. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Someone might say, well, come on, Brother Marshall. You know, it just seems like that same old thing just keeps coming up. It just keeps coming up. It just keeps springing up. It just, it just keeps coming up. Well, that's the root. It says the root of bitterness springing up. That's the root. And I'm really not sure that we can ever get the root completely out while we still have this flesh. I'm not sure the root. I mean, it talks about the root, so I'm not sure that we can ever get the root completely out. Completely out while we're still surrounded by this old wicked flesh that we have on. But we can chop it off every time it sprouts. <laughs> when I was a kid, one of the punishments I hated the most was having to go out in the yard and pull weeds. I hated going out and pulling weeds. You know, get out there and pull weeds this spot. I'm not, 
out there pulling weeds. I'm out there pulling weeds. I'm pulling weeds, you know, and I'm out there just kid. I'm out there and pulling weeds. And, uh, one light bulb came on my head is like, man, I got my pocket knife. Mercy. Every, every boy ought to have pocket knife. Oh, they'll, they'll cut themselves only once. Only once. It's, you learn pretty fast once you bleed. Got out my pocket knife, man. I started chopping them weeds off. Woo, it was quick. Didn't have to dig with your fingers, all that, get them roots out. The only problem with weeds is that they grow fast. Like some of them overnight, you know. And so all these weeds spring up right there in that same area where I was supposed to be. And then it's out of bill, back out in the front yard I was, pulling more weeds. <clears throat> the thing is, with that root of bitterness, when it does spring up, when it does spring up, we have to immediately chop it off. Immediately forgive. Look, I don't discount that people have been hurt. I don't discount that people have done others wrong. In fact, in our, I've been saved a little over 35 years. And during that time, uh, we've been hurt. My family and I, we've been hurt by Christian people, by other Christian people. And I'm, I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm just going to tell you a story. We've been hurt. Um, people, whether they're born again or not, uh, are still sinners, aren't they? And uh, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, uh, we can be hurtful, can't we? And offensive. Um, and, and our family's been hurt. And I, I must say that during that time um, that I got pretty angry. And uh, I let it eat on me. And I got pretty bitter, too. Well, Brother Marshall, that's not right. I'm telling the story. I'll get to the end of it. Hold on just a second. I understand. I know. I know it's not right. Believe me. I, I know. I know. But I was delivered to the tormentor for a while. Uh, there were certain times that somebody would really mention a situation or bring up a name, and it was like, I'd turn and start again. And... Uh, I came to a place where I realized that uh, I had to do something about that. I had to do something about it. And so I went and I got alone with the Lord and I just forgave. I just forgave. Lord, I'm sorry. I confess the sin of, of holding on to the anger and, and, and all. Lord, I can't, I can't go forward like this. I can't do this. I I, I forgive. I just, I forgive. I don't want to be like this. I just forgive. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't long. Uh, I, I felt certainly uh, that peace that passes understanding. When you get serious with God, you know, repenting of things, man, He, he does something in your heart and life. And, and, and it, it wasn't long, I don't know, maybe days after that, and that something came up, and man, the churning started. And I thought, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to let this eat me up. I'm not going to let this take me down again. What'd you do? I just uh, got alone somewhere and I said, Lord, I, I forgive again. I, I, I forgive. I, I, I'm not going to let this get me down again. I'm not going to let this, I'm not going to let this trouble me. I'm not going to do that. And uh, through the series of time through there, uh, 
you know, a week later, it sprung up again. And I had to forgive again. And I know I'm probably the biggest, biggest sinner in this place right now because I guarantee you there were days that I would forgive and then 15 minutes later it's like, Lord, I forgive, I forgive, and again and forgive. And later on that day it's like, Lord, I forgive. I'm not going to let this take me down again. I'm not going to let this eat me up like that. I forgive, I forgive. Now, I don't know for sure how many times that I've ever had to forgive in one day. There, there's been times that it was just kept coming up and kept coming up, and it was many times. But I'm pretty sure there was never a time that I had to forgive 490 times. And I'm telling you, I, no, no, I believe that God set that number for you and me because He knows us. He knows that we are but flesh, even though we're saved by His grace. And, and I forgave and I forgave and I forgave. I don't think I ever gave. Because if you continue to do exactly what God wants you to do, there comes that time that God just pours out His grace on you. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, you ever been there before? And God just, it's just like God pours out His grace on you. And it's like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. And you have that time where it just seemed like it's all gone. I know the root's still there. It's tried to spring up since that time. And you just have to forgive again. Lord, I'm not going to let this take me down. I'm not going to let this make me bitter and angry. I'm not going to let this make me a horrible person. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like Him. And so you forgive, and you forgive, and you forgive. Well, how come? Because that's what He says we're supposed to do. We're supposed to continue to give. Every time that it springs up, every time it wells up in our soul, we just chop it off. Well, I, let me tell you something, Brother Marshall. I, I, don't, I don't feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. Hold on, hold on, hold on, listen to me. Forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is a choice. And it really doesn't matter how we feel about it. It's a choice we need to make. It's a choice. Even if we don't feel like it. Even if we don't feel like it. <clears throat> well, how come? Psalm 78, 38 says this, But he being full of compassion forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. Listen, for he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness, God, and, and grieve him in the desert, and yet he forgave and forgave and forgave and forgave and forgave and forgave. So God has forgiven you over and over and over again. So why, why should we feel like we've forgiven Enough. Well, what do we do? We have to prayerfully seek the Lord for deliverance and forgiveness from our anger and bitterness. And He will, no, no, stay with me here. And He will, He will help us. 
Philippians 4, 6 says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, as we go to Him. I'm sorry. Let me tell you a story. We'll, 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 we'll choose up sides and go home. You heard part of my testimony this morning about my dad, my dad being a, a drunkard and uh, just a horribly mean man when he drank and uh, pretty much destroyed my childhood. I can remember my mom was such a good lady. She tried to keep us all together and she worked so hard that all of that. But I can remember her loading us up in the car in the middle of the night when we were young just to get us gone out of the house because of the way that uh, the way that dad was and then <clears throat> went on time went on and and we had that horrible fight he threw me out of the house at the age of 17 i didn't see him for about 10 years after that um maybe a little longer but um he and mom divorced not long after that uh, i left the home and and uh he went his way and i went my way um, and then I got saved by God's grace. And not long after I got saved, um, God began to deal with me about forgiving my dad. You need to forgive your dad. Here's what I said. I ain't forgiving him. Oh, these are things I told the Lord. I ain't forgiving him. I hate him. And I did. He ruined my childhood. I watched him do horrible, horrible things. I ain't forgiven him. And God continued to deal with my heart. You need to forgive your dad. I'm not forgiving my dad. Lord, thank you for you. you you've, you've saved my soul. You've changed my life. You've put me on a different path. Thank you so much for that. But mm, that's where I'm drawing a line. I ain't forgiving my dad. I ain't going to forgive him. <clears throat> but God continued to deal with me. You need to forgive your dad. You've got to forgive your dad. I'm not forgiving my dad. You really need to forgive your dad. I am not forgiving my dad. You don't know what he did. Well, of course he knew what he did. And God just continued to deal with me about that until finally I realized I've got to forgive my dad. And I did. I did. I got alone with God and I apologized and asked God's forgiveness for being such a hard head. And then I just forgave my dad. I just forgave him right there for all he had done, everything. I just forgave. Just, just forgiveness. I just forgave. Just forgave him for all that. And it brought a peace about things. It really did. Uh, I didn't even know where he was at the time. I had no idea where he was. But it wasn't long after that God began to deal with me. You need to tell your dad about Jesus. Okay. And so I did some research, found out where he was, got a telephone number, and I called him one afternoon. I still remember standing in the kitchen of the mobile home we were living in and, and called him. And, and uh, <clears throat> my dad was an old cowboy. He was raised up on the big ranches out in New Mexico, grew up as a boy out there, and, and just an old rough, tough cowboy. That's all he ever was, all he ever wanted to be. 
And uh, so I got this number anyway. I was called, and it rang and rang and rang and rang, and I figured, yeah, it's down at the barn. Because, I mean, he kept the telephone down at the barn most of the time. It's down at the barn. So it rang and rang. Finally, somebody answered. Hello! I said, yes, Bill Marshall. Is he around? Yeah, wait a minute. He's around here somewhere. Put the phone down. When looking, I'm just waiting and waiting. Finally, finally, uh, my dad picks up the phone. Yeah. I said, hey, hey, dad. Kind of quiet. Yeah. So this is this little Bill. That's what they called me. His name was Bill. This little Bill. This is your boy. Yeah. I said, well, dad, I just wanted to call you. See how it was going. Yeah, I'm okay. And dad, I, I wanted to call and let you know that, that I got saved. I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior, and I got saved, and it's really turned my life around. Yeah. I, I, I said, well, Dad, I, I need to call you, in, and I, I, need to, I need to do this. I need to ask you to forgive me. Oh, wait, 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 Brother Marshall, wait. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You're asking your dad to forgive you? Well, what was I supposed to do? Dad, I'm calling you. I want you to ask me to forgive you right now, right now. I'd already forgiven him. And by the way, I hadn't been the perfect son back during that time. I had some things that I needed forgiveness for, too, back during that time. I'd already forgiven him. That was done. So, Dad, I need, you, I need for you to give me. You know what he said? Yeah, Whatever. Well, how'd that make you feel, Brother Marshall? Made me feel great. No, really, I'd already done. I'd, I'd already done my part. I'd already done everything. I'd done everything. Well, Dad, I'd like to get with you sometime and just talk to you about some things. Yeah, well, I gotta go. Okay, bye. Okay. All right. Did my part. Did what I was supposed to do. So I found out where he was living. God continued to deal with me, and I had started traveling at that time and I went by his place and sat down with him and I just shared the old gospel with him, you know. Dad, you're a sinner in need of a Savior. God will save your soul. He'll forgive you. You'll just turn to him and trust Christ. Shared the gospel with him. Here's what he said. Boy, I just ain't ready. I'd rather him say that than just say some prayer, you know, try to get me off his back. Okay, Dad, I'm praying for you. And every chance I got, I'd drop by places. He moved several times during this time. I'd stop by and I'd just share the old story with him again almost every time, almost every single time. Boy, I just ain't ready. Okay, Dad, fine. Need to get ready, you know? Yep. <clears throat> 14 years. 14 years. Went by. I was preaching a revival meeting not about a, a three quarters of a mile from his place in Marlow, Oklahoma. Little old country church, Calvary Baptist Church, name of the place. Little old country church. Um, I'd let my dad know I was going to be there. Day one went by, two, three, dad, no dad, no dad, no dad, no dad. So the night before the last night, after that service that, that night, I, I just called him up and said, Dad, let's go to breakfast in the morning. Okay, yep, we'll go to breakfast. So went to breakfast, talked about several things. And, and as he was taking me back to the church, driving me back to the church in his old pickup, I shared the story with him again, the old story again. 
about the time we pulled up to the church and he said, boy, I just ain't ready. And here's what I said that day. I said, Dad, you're 72 years old. You better get ready. I said, would you at least, at least come to the meeting tonight? Last night of the meeting, would you at least come to the meeting? Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Okay. And he did. He came. And he sat about right there on the inside row on the middle aisle. And and I got up that night and just preached the message God had given me for the church. And <clears throat> was excited that he was there and invitation time came. He didn't move. I was disappointed. I really was. I thought, man, this is going to be the night. He's going to get saved. It's going to be great. Um, so last night of the meeting, Pastor and I standing at the back door after service, telling people goodbye, whatever. The parsonage was right next door. Pastor said, hey, listen, whenever you get ready, come on over. We'll eat. Okay, fine. So my dad's still in the auditorium in the sanctuary, and, and, and I come walking back in. Dad had been down to the front by the pulpit, and he was walking back that way. And we met about halfway back. And I looked my dad in the face, and I saw something I'd never seen before. My dad, I saw a big tear running down his cheek. And here's what he said. He said, boy, I'm ready. (laughs) Now, it may not mean anything to you, but it still excites me to no end, I guarantee you. (laughs) And I took him in that pastor's office, and I got to lead him to the Lord at the age of 72. And it changed his life, because that's what real salvation does. It changes lives, even at 72. He was a different man, died Four years later, cancer got him and he died. I visited him several times after that. I stopped by his place and just visit. Took him Bibles and preaching tapes and all types of things. Just trying to help him. I remember last time I saw him at his place. Golden, Missouri. He was living in Golden, Missouri. And uh, went and visited with him for a while. We talked about a lot of things, and it was getting late in the afternoon, and, and I needed to go on. And so we were walking out to the back door, walking through the house to the back door, and, and we were standing in the kitchen. I can see it. The door had a big wind on it. The sun was going down, and we were just standing there talking about a couple of things. And he said this. He said, boy, <clears throat> I'd have never listened to anybody but you. Talking about the gospel, you know. Boy, I still hear him. I'd have never listened to anybody but you. You know what God told me at that instant, in in essence, what God told me? If I'd have never forgiven my dad, he'd probably be in hell tonight. Lest the root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. People say, well, ain't hurting anybody but me. You're wrong. You're wrong. Let God be true and every man a liar. It's not a good thing. And it's probably, it, it can be one of the hardest things to do. When we've been wrong, when we've been done wrong, we've been hurt, it can be very hard. 
but it's very rewarding. Just to have the peace that passes understanding. Just to be able to lay your head down on your pillow each night and know that you have done what God would have you to do. Very fulfilling. Very rewarding. And truly, we don't know. We don't know what it might lead to. Us forgiving. Let me say this. No, I'm I'm right at done. Let Let me say this. When you forgive someone this way, it doesn't mean you have to make them your best buddy. In fact, you may never see them again, ever. My story is a little different, but you may never see them again, ever. But the forgiveness is not for them. The forgiveness is for you. It's for you. It doesn't mean that you have to make them your best friend. It's just the right thing to do is just forgive, forgive, forgive. And then ask God a lot just to help you forget that you might move on, that, that you might not have to face the tormentors any longer. There's things that only God can do in our life. There's things that only God can do in our life. King David realized that after his bout with Bathsheba. He realized that when he wrote in Psalm 51 and verse number 12, he wrote this, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Man, oh man. You know, God wants us to live a life of joy. He wants us to live a life of joy. That's hard to do when we just seem to be um, living in torment all the time. I don't know what may have happened in your life, could have happened in your life. This may not pertain to you whatsoever. Maybe it's just something uh, that will prepare you for something in the future. But I do know this. If we will simply do what God wants us to do, in areas such as this, it's amazing what God is able to do with us, with sinners like us. Just let God have His way. Would you bow your heads with me? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Thank you for your patience tonight and your attentiveness. Thank you so much for that. I'm not going to have a show of hands because that's, that's